God bless you. I'm glad you're tuning in this morning. You know, a recent poll shows that church attendance dropped dramatically in the last few weeks due to the drastic changes in how we do church from gathering in person to virtual services. 32% or one out of every three people simply stopped attending church or viewing church at all. And 18% simply browse the various church services they find on the internet. And only half of millennials have continued serving in church. But for many who remain faithful, the same circumstances have deepened their faith. It appears that people desperately need two things. First of all, a family of faith to belong to who will genuinely care for them and their families. But secondly, a Bible-centered message of hope. And when you think about it, that's what church is supposed to be about anyway. So the COVID-19 pandemic hasn't necessarily hurt the church. On the contrary, it's revealed those who are truly faithful to church. So let's continue to strive to develop a genuinely caring, biblically-based community of faithful believers because that's how people of the world will come to know Jesus in these last days. So may God bless you, and I hope you enjoy today's service. And happy birthday, Carla. God bless you. Good morning, Victor Outreach Inglewood, and welcome once again to our virtual worship service. I certainly pray that God has been blessing you, protecting you, and that you're doing all you can to uh, reflect the grace and the glory of Christ through your life, just simply by living for him, being a witness for him in these dark and uh, uncertain times. Well, I am blessed because I have the opportunity to read to you from God's word. And I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 38. And uh, this is what it says. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. And it says, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask, O oh God, for insight that you would take us to this moment in the life of your son, Jesus Christ, that we would experience the anguish and the agony of this moment that we would feel what he felt, that we would know, Lord God, even just a glimpse of what it is to be abandoned at the moment of our deepest need. And I pray, Father God, that you would teach us, teach us to be present with others. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's people say, Amen. Hallelujah. You know, after we recorded the worship, for this morning's beautiful worship. Uh, thank you, worship team, for that wonderful worship this morning. But after we recorded, we kind of sat around and we, uh, you know, got caught up on where we've been the last few weeks or so. And I was amazed to discover the great things that were happening in the life of Luis Lopez. You know, I didn't know that um, his new job as an officer in training, I, I didn't know he was hired and working there. And, and uh, man, it was like, wow, I, I had no clue, had no idea. And so we talked about that and we talked about some of the other things that people do to cope with this pandemic. What are you doing to, to cope with the challenges of, of the pandemic? And there are some that hike 
that get out into nature and allow God's nature, the world, to, uh, to do its thing in healing us. Because nature has a way of speaking and healing and, and restoring us. Then there were the others who, who binge watch uh, reruns of Rosa Salvaje. I don't know what's up with that, but the point here is that something life-giving happens when we are together. There's something about just being together, connecting with fellow believers, sharing stories uh, and carrying one another's burdens. Something beautiful, something wonderful about it. And, and it was unity that Jesus prayed for most specifically uh, for the church, for believers, his followers, that they be one as he and the father are one. And I just talked about that last week. Last week, I talked about how he prayed to the father that he be in us, him and you and me, that he would live in us, that unity. But this week, I've come to another request that Jesus made right here towards the end of his life. But this request was offered not to, to the Lord in prayer, but to his friends, to his friends, the disciples, men that had grown close to Jesus over the years. The last three to three and a half years they spent with him just hanging out and they're beginning to realize, man, we need this man uh, more than we realized in the beginning. From the very start of his ministry, they had been walking with him. They've been discovering things about him, about God. He's revealing God to them. He's showing them the nature of things and the way the world works, the universe works, what faith is about it, and the power of God that was manifested in the life and the words of Jesus Christ. And they're beginning to realize far more than they had first realized we need him. That he is he is he means more to us than than we ever could have realized. And when the crowds after a while began to dwindle away and, and began to drop off the number of people that followed Jesus, especially as he began to teach commitment. And when times began to get hard, people began to fall away. They began to find reasons no longer to follow Jesus. These men stood by his side, his friends, the disciples. And when Jesus asked them, hey, are you guys going to leave me also the way that everybody else has been leaving? They made the epic statement at that point. And it was actually Peter who makes the epic statement. To whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else. There's no one else that we can go to. But here is Jesus at what might be the most crucial moment of his life. Jesus, who overwhelmed the kingdom of darkness, who overwhelmed demonic forces. Jesus, who confronted sickness and, and disease, who overwhelmed the wind and the waves, blindness and paralysis. He confronted the, the most tragic forces in history. And overwhelmed them. Now, nearly eight short hours before he would be nailed to the cross, the man who overwhelmed the world is now overwhelmed himself. He is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And the disciples, man, they see him struggling. If you can imagine that, Jesus struggling. 
That's like something you can't even begin to fathom. Not the Jesus we know and understand from the stories of the gospel, but the disciples see him struggling. Try to imagine the intensity of the moment. Jesus in agony. He said in uh, right here in verse 38, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is Jesus we're talking about. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So this was extreme physical and mental anguish that he's dealing with here. This wasn't just a light and momentary trial. This was extreme and excruciating anxiety upon his life. So excruciating that it put him at the brink of death. That's how Jesus describes it. Right. And, and, and Jesus isn't in the habit of lying. He's not exaggerating here. He says, I am overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's what he says. In fact, the agony of his death began that very moment. It didn't begin when he was nailed to the cross. The agony of his death didn't begin even when they beat him with sticks and whips. It didn't even begin when they placed the crown of thorns upon his head and the blood began to stream across his face. The agony of his death began this moment there in the garden when he began to just place his life down for the father to pile upon him the burdens of the world, the sins, all of your sins, all of my sins upon him. When he began to carry the weight of the world, he was overwhelmed with sorrow. He wasn't afraid of dying. This wasn't fear of dying. He was overwhelmed with sorrow. His agony was so great, so great that it was full and complete sorrow. When he thought about probably so many who, uh, whose sins that he was carrying and who would ignore him and reject him and continue to mock him. A sorrow that was uh, agonizing and it brought him to the point of death. This was anguish. This was heavy anguish. This was deep sorrow because the sins of the world were heaped upon our Lord and Savior. More and more, he began to bear the weight of this incredible responsibility, this mission to the cross. So in the anguish of his agony... Jesus made one, one last simple request. Stay here and keep watch with me. That was it. Can, hey, hey, guys, can you stay and just keep watch with me? That's all I ask. You know, just stay here with me. Hang out and, and pray. Just hang out with me. Can you watch for the enemy? Just, just kind of you know, find a place here in the garden. Just hang out with me. Stay with me. But watch for the enemy and pray with me. Right. And, and just keep watch. Keep me company on this night. Man, I, I need your company. That's what he's asking his disciples. The friend who sticks closer than a brother. Right. The, the one, the shepherd who who shepherds our soul. That's what he's asking. The one who rescues everybody else. He's asking for a little help. Can you help me? Can you hang out with me? For a moment, let's pray together tonight in his time of overwhelming sorrow. Can we pray together? Can I count on you for support? 
Can you just, you know, spend a little time? Let's cry out to God together. Let's 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 press in together with collective corporate prayer here in the garden. A heavy time, a crucial time in the life of Jesus. That's what Jesus was asking for. This is what he's asking for here. His last request to his friends. Stay here and keep watch with me. How could anybody, when you think about it, how could anybody seriously ignore such a request? How, how could anybody uh, who is in anguish just continue to, to walk by or, or to do their own thing or to fall asleep right at the moment of his, of his deep need? This was his last request for his friends. How can you fall asleep when his, your friend is, is facing this heavy anguish? Now, you know, we, we've all heard those those stories of of heroism, you know, heroes, regular people who remained at the side of someone who was suffering, uh, tremendous suffering, whether it was heroism in war and the soldier who is there at the side of a of a buddy who is bleeding and and, and hurting and, and they stay there in the midst of gunfire, in the midst of, of danger. We, we've heard stories like that or whether it was heroism, not just in war, but in gang war. Those who 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 cuddled with the, the bodies, the broken and bleeding bodies of those who are hurting and dying, who, who offer to transport them. And we've heard stories right here in our own church. Those who stuck by the side of people who were hurting, those who rendered aid. Those who intervened at the time of an overdose, who didn't run away, who didn't abandon someone, but stuck it out, who hung out and and kept them company, kept them awake, kept them into slipping into death. Those who intervene, who respond to someone in need, who reach out for help. It's like those around us who cry out the same words that Jesus cried out here on the most agonizing night of his life to simply, hey, stay with me. I need you to stay with me. Can you keep watch with me? Don't just pray for me. Can you pray with me? That was his request. Keep watch with me. You know, and it's no secret that the devil's tactics in warfare is to divide and conquer. Right. We, we know that to divide and conquer, to separate believers by any means possible, whether it be by government mandate, we can divide, separate and conquer or fatigue. You know, I'm so tired that I, I you know, I'm not I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to tune in. I'm not going to uh, gather for for Bible study, for prayer, for evangelism. You know, I, I'll just stick this one out. This week, right? Or, or by the, the secular idea of individualism that says that you can live out your own Christian faith your own way on your own time that you don't need anybody else. Just do be, be yourself. Do, do your own thing. Worship on your own. Pray on your own. Evangelize on your own. Imagine the disciples responding to Jesus that way in his time of need. Jesus, you don't need me. You don't need us here. Man, you struggle with your, your, your issues on your own. 
Right. Pray on your own. There's power in an in individual prayer. Can you imagine them saying that to Jesus? Imagine them saying, hey, you know, you don't. What do you need me for? And, and that would be probably the most profound question you could ask of this passage is what do you need them for? What is it about prayer together that Jesus requested the presence of his disciples. What is it about prayer that I don't know about, that we don't know about? What, what power lies in being together, communing together, talking together, sharing stories together, watching and praying together? There has to be something incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful for Jesus to make this request on this night. It was Jesus who told us in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. He says that every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Unity. It's about being together. It's no coincidence that the Bible describes the church as a body, as a building, as a field where the wheat grow together, as a flock where the sheep are gathered together in a community under one shepherd. You think about what each of those look like when the enemy shows up. When the enemy shows up, the body suffers, right? The body suffers. And it was Paul who describes it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are, un or are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. For if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Wow, that's heavy. Unity, this theme that runs throughout Scripture, this theme that comes up again in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of his anguish. Can you just stay here with me? Can you watch with me? Don't wander off. Don't go on your own. Don't fall asleep. Don't be disconnected. Stay with me in this moment. And when you think about this, the church as a building, all the enemy has to do is begin to remove the stones. You just remove the stones. All, all of a sudden, the building collapses. And when you think about the church as a field, all the enemy has to do is to come and, and plant weeds among the wheat. All between the wheat, where the, the roots are intertwined and the, the ideologies are intertwined. And you have to tolerate the lifestyle of those who say, well, you don't have to gather. Together. You don't have to, uh, you know, do this. You don't have to go to. You don't have to don't tune in. You don't have to read your Bible. 
right? And we have to tolerate that. And when you think about the church as a flock, a flock of sheep together, all the enemy has to do is scatter the sheep so that the wolves can pick them off one by one. It's a strategy of the enemy. Divide and conquer. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. Right. The hired hand. That's not the shepherd. What does he care for the sheep? The hired hand doesn't care. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. You know, God changes me. God changes me when I hear stories like Luis's story. Man, it excites me to see wonderful things. These are the kinds of things we pray for. God changes me when I hear Patricia's prayer need on on Wednesday night. You know, uh, when I when I hear the, the prayers, uh, the prayer needs of the Barfus family, when I hear the prayer needs of Marlene and she offers her prayer in tears, offers the prayers that uh, the burdens in her life. When we when we hear about Maricela's tragedy. God changes us. Then I pray not just for them, but we're called to pray with them, with them. This was Jesus's request. Stay here and keep watch with me, with me. Don't please don't go home right now. I need you with me. I wonder if this is true today. I wonder if this same the same spirit of unity exists today, is the church there for the Lord? Is the church present for the Lord and and there with him in his suffering, with him in his mission to reach our community, with him in all that he does? Is the church with others, those that are suffering or has it wandered away? Has it fallen asleep? Has it been disconnected somehow from the one who needs us at this very moment? Have we abandoned our first love by abandoning those around us? So this morning, I just want to leave you with just a couple of suggestions of what we could do to remain connected, to remain awake, to, to keep that place right there next to Jesus on the night that he calls upon us to minister with him. Two things, just two things I want to leave with you. Number one, stay awake, stay awake. Right. And we hear those words all the time. I know Linda's always reminding us to stay woke. Right. Uh, stay awake. And, and this this came up again, even in our Bible study this past week, as we were drawing closer to the final judgments in the book of Revelation and the final judgments are being poured out. An angel, a voice just came out of nowhere. And this voice began to say, hey, blessed are those who stay awake. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep. And it's John who is writing that revelation. And it was probably John who was reminiscent of this story of the night that Jesus, in his anguish, asked the disciples, please, just hang out with me. Let's hang out together. Let's watch together. Let's pray together. 
stay awake. It's a call to remain ready, a call to remain alert, to remain together. Don't let the, the times that we're living in lull you to sleep. And you think about those kinds of words on the night that Jesus was was in agony. I mean, because the conditions were such that it would lull you to sleep. It was in the middle of the night, early in the morning. And they were down in prayer in a, in a beautiful garden. You know, who isn't uh, sleepy and tired, right? Jesus, on his most agonizing moment, it didn't happen in midday when we are wide awake and, and ready to serve, ready, awake, and, and full of energy. It happened in a time that caught us off guard, that caught them off guard. Stay awake because you never know when you're called upon to walk with someone. Number two, stay connected. And by this, I mean staying close. Stay connected, close to others, connected to Jesus and to others, whether it be through prayer, Bible study, connected in our virtual church services, texting one another, calling one another, checking in on each other. I thank God for Brother Freddie every now and then sending text. You know, uh, I'm doing OK, just in case you're wondering. Right. I'll send a text back to him. Right. Uh, you, you know, to stay connected, you know, to build uh, accountability groups, uh, to build uh, prayer groups. To do what Francis and others do, uh, Brother Gary sharing scriptures to to others, right? To be connected to one another. You can't be a good Samaritan. And, and we love the story about the good Samaritan, but we can't be a good Samaritan unless we stay present with those that are in need. That's what makes him a good Samaritan. He didn't abandon the guy. He didn't keep walking. In fact, he went back and it was his presence that distinguishes him as a good man. You know, it can't happen any other way. We need to stay awake, recognize that the times that we're living in create challenges for us. It could lull us to sleep. And secondly, to stay connected. What a challenge during these trying times. The strategy of the enemy is to divide and conquer. But we're smarter than that, church. We need to stay together to conquer and outwit the schemes of the enemy. So let me pray this morning for you uh, right there where you are. If you would bow your heads with me, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the promises of your word. And I pray for us, Lord God, each of us, Lord, for your help and your strength. I pray for those that have been struggling through difficult times, those individuals who have lost family and loved ones and friends. Father, I pray your support. I pray for those, my God, who are praying for loved ones who have been ill, for, for those who have been sick, for Reuben Salazar, Lord, for others, my God, that your blessing has, has uh, been poured out upon them, that you've been gracious to and, and provided healing. And those, my God, who are requesting your healing touch, we just lift them before you this morning. And I pray, my God, your comfort, your strength, your presence, Lord God, as you have requested your disciples to be with you. And, and we always request you to be with us. Help us to be present and awake 
with others. I thank you this morning. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, for it's in his name we pray. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you and be safe.